have a Bible with you, just hold it in your hand. Say this with me. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. And I'm going to be who it says I can be. It was written for me, for my correction, for my direction, and my soon coming resurrection. Oh, Lord, be it unto me according to your word in Jesus' name. Again, that's exactly what Mary said. When that angel appeared to her, now I know I'm no angel uh, to your eyes or to your likeness, but watch. When he talked to the angel of the church in Ephesus and Thyatira and the, the churches of the seven churches of Asia, he addressed the preacher as an angel, as a messenger. And as I say to you the word of God, and as I sow seed into your life, because the word of God is a seed, and I sow it into your fertile heart, I sow it into the plans of your life, it's the same thing as when that angel came and, and said to Mary, and said, you know, you're going to be given a child, the only begotten son of God. And she said, be it unto me according to your word. If you want the word of God to work in your life, you must receive the word of God. Amen? You're in a really good place right now. Because what's going to happen, you're going to walk away from here today with a revived, a resuscitated, a, a renewed, or an activated faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. As I preach the Word of God, as I read the Scripture to you, your faith is going to say, oh, that's it. That's it. it it's kind of like when you haven't eaten for a while, maybe you've been fasting or something, and you go to the grocery store and spinach looks good. You know what I'm talking about? Because your body's saying, that's what I need. Because you're walking around saying, you want to look like Popeye. You want to you be as strong as Popeye, but you're not eating your spinach. You know what I'm talking about? And, and you want to be a stronger Christian. You want to be a stronger believer, but you're not eating the Word of God. This morning, we're going to have a smorgasbord. We're going to have a buffet. We're going to have a, a, a setting. And we're going to have a charcuterie, whatever you call those things. We're going to lay it out for you this morning so you can walk away going, yes, I feel like a Christian. I feel like a believer. That's your faith awakening inside of you. You're going to walk out. I remember some years ago, I read a book by Smith Wigglesworth. Now, Smith Wigglesworth was a healing evangelist. Some miraculous things uh, happened in his life and through his life. And I, I would read his books and I read one and, and I thought, my goodness, I just, just give me someone to pray for. Just give me someone to pray for. And so we went to some friend's house. And if you know anything about me, you know that I like rich crackers, but I'm, I'm pretty much a finicky eater, okay? I mean, I, I choose my things uh, wisely, and there's just a few of them. Uh, but anyway, we went to the house, and I found out that she was making 15 bean soup. There should not even be anything named that. I mean, what's the reason? Get rid of all the beans you haven't eaten? You know what I mean? What's, she's throwing, oh, they're happy. They're excited. I mean, this kind of bean and that kind of bean. I'm thinking, I'm, I'm, in a, I'm Twitter-pated. I'm just, I'm messed up. I'm nervous. And then all of a sudden, her husband said something about some type of illness that he had, and the light came on, in essence, okay? It literally did, because I said, yes, and the light came on. And I thought, I'm in the power right now. I'm in the anointing. Now, this would have been back in the uh, 1900s, okay? I mean, like a long time ago. And you remember when they came out with those lights that you could slap and they would turn on? I'd never seen one before. But I knew that I was under the unction. I knew I was in the power of God. I knew something was about to happen. And I looked at him. I looked at him. He goes, oh, it, it's, you can turn it off that way too. Anyway, verse 1. Took you a little while to get the book of Acts. Here we go. Now the apostles and the brethren, now the apostles and the brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. 
And so they have heard that, hey, the Gentiles, well, who's the Gentiles? That's important for us to know. There's the people of Israel who have been the chosen people of God for history, okay? And God has walked them through all this and into the New Testament. You and I would know them as the Jewish people. Gentiles was anybody who was not a Jew. You and I, most of us in here, were Gentiles. There may be a Jew in here somewhere. But when you got saved, when you got born again, you got grafted into the people of God. So literally what he's talking about here is when the people back in Jerusalem of Judea, those apostles and they heard evangelism had started. They heard that people are reaching out further than just the church, further than just the people of God. It's going beyond just conversion and somebody going from Jewish, uh, from the Jewish faith over into the Christian faith, from Judaism over into Christianity. Now they're getting the word out to people that the word seemingly had not been going to. They didn't think that those people could be saved. So they're transitioning over. Matter of fact, they're breaking racial barriers. They're breaking uh, 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 social barriers. They're reaching out into a new group of people. Literally, verse 1 describes to us evangelism, okay? I want you to write that note somewhere, evangelism, because you and I need to carry out the incredible work of evangelism. People need to be saved. People need Jesus. What he's done in us, we need to introduce to others. What he has freely given you and I, we ought to freely give one another. We shouldn't evangelize uh, for the pat on the back. We shouldn't evangelize for the money in our wallet. We should literally, because the grace that he's given us didn't cost us anything. It's something he gave us. And as you have freely received, so ought you freely give. Amen? Verse 2, we must get the word of God out to the lost. Verse 2, and when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended with him, saying, you went into the uncircumcised men and you ate with them. It's a very interesting description here in dispute. It's an internal dispute that's going on inside of the church. In other words, the Baptists are saying it one way, and the Charismatics are saying it another way, and the Pentecostals are saying it this way, and the Presbyterians are saying, you shouldn't do that. That's not what you should do. We only do this. Some would say, don't use music. Some would say, don't use this. You get my picture. They're having a little bit of internal dispute. The book of Acts starts to early let us know the church has never yet reached perfection. It's in a process. It's in a work. Why? Because people are now in charge of it, okay? Human people are now in charge of it. Jesus is gone. They're trying to work this thing out. They're in a revival, friends. I mean, thousands of people are getting saved. It said daily people would be adding to the Lord. I'm not talking about just Sunday. I'm talking about Monday and Tuesday. I'm not talking about just Wednesday night. I'm talking about all throughout the week people are being added to the Lord. That's the church, and that's where he's taking her back to, and that should not stop. That is the work of God, the plan of God. But they're having some issues in here. Matter of fact, if you remember, it was the Pharisees and the Sadducees and those religious type that would say to Jesus, what are you doing eating with sinners? You know what they were saying to him really was a great compliment. Not the great compliment that, wow, you would go to them. No, they were contending with that, disputing that. They were saying, what are you doing eating with sinners? What they were saying is, you don't sin. They were actually seeing Jesus in a whole different light because he is the light of the world. You know what I'm saying? There's something pure about you. There's something holy about you. What are you doing going in there? You're clean. They're not. So they were embracing him as a Jew. They were embracing him as a child of God. They were embracing him as pure and as holy by just saying, why are you going in there? You shouldn't eat with sinners. But throughout his whole ministry, he would go to the low down, the broken, the cast out, the wounded, 
the people like me and the people like you. So it's really not anything new, but now they're seeing it from a different perspective. They're like, what are you doing going to those who have not had the worldliness cut out of their heart? Now, they had a religious order there of circumcision of the children of Israel on the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin. They had to be circumcised. It was just kind of a ritual in their life. But they're saying, hey, wait, you're going to people who haven't done the things we do. You know what's happening here? I didn't even think about it. Like I said, come to this. There's a reformation taking place. Uh, there, there's something being nailed to the wall saying, guys, this isn't how we do it anymore. Something is happening. Something is shifting. I'm here to tell you, church is shifting. Church is moving in a new direction. Church is going to be used of God to advance the kingdom of God outside of the church and in the community. That's why we sing. That's why Pastor Whalen came up to pray for revival, not just in the church, because we need to be revived so that we can see the new things and embrace the new things that God is doing, but we need to see God move in the community, not just in the church. Amen? Verse 4, but Peter explained it to them in order. From the beginning saying, all these heard said, you went to the uncircumcised. You broke the barriers. You went outside of the, uh, the boundaries that we had set up. And you've gone and you've brought the word of God to the Gentiles. So he starts to explain it to them. In other words, Peter is starting to testify. Peter is bringing a testimony. He's not having a debate. He's telling them what God did. He's telling them what God did to use him. He's showing them how God worked through him into what God wanted to do in them. He's testifying. We know a little bit about the word testimony. We sang it this morning. The word testimony, actually in the Hebrew, the root of the basis of the word testimony means do again. So I'm getting ready to tell you that whatever Peter is saying and he's testifying, he's saying God can do this again. Matter of fact, if you look into it and take a close look into it, He's just saying what Jesus already did, he's now doing. Like Jesus went to the sinners, and he's now going to the Gentiles. He's doing it again. I'm here to tell you anything that I say today out of the word of God is possible to happen again. God can do it again. He saved you. He can save your child. He saved you. He can save your neighbor. He can save like he saved you. He started to testify. As a matter of fact, this is an interesting passage of the story, and I don't know uh, that w- why we don't go to it more often, but the reality of chapter 10 and chapter 11, are, they're, they're linked to one another. It's already been written. Have you ever written something and thought, I need to write it again, maybe a little bit different way? That's exactly what the Holy Spirit is doing. He said, that story right there of what happened in Cornelius' house, that supernatural movement there, uh, that breakthrough right there, that transition right there in the church, we need to write about it again. Well, how are we going to do that? Let Peter give his testimony. So he starts to testify. He said, I was in the city of Scottsboro, and I was, excuse me, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance, I saw a vision, an object descending like a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners, and it came to me. It came to me. This is being presented to him. Where is he at? You're saying, well, how do these people have these kind of occurrences? How do they have these kind of... Prayer. And he was set apart, and when you're praying, it means you're entreating. There's something like, God, speak to me. I told my children and family devotion last night, I said, you know what we ought to do? And I encourage you to do this every day this week. Matter of fact, every day of your life, you ought to ask God a question. 
When you read the scripture, you go, I don't understand it. Stop and say, Lord, I sure would like to understand that. Lord, what does that mean? Ask him a question. Draw from heaven. Draw out, withdraw. Listen to me. You don't have to worry about the bank count of heaven. I'm so concerned about those people who save up $400,000 and die with $399,000. And they say, what for? Draw from it. Use it. Use it. We're not here to save things. We've been saved for what he has for us. Amen. Amen. We're here to be useful as believers. Anybody with me? He said, I was in Joppa praying, and then he said, I went into a trance. Uh, A trance means a psychological state that where the human body is not really responsive or reactive. You might say, well, what happens to those people when they get slain in the spirit? Uh, They somewhat can go into a trance. They can go into a stage that the spiritual realm is so powerful, so real, the natural realm is really not even functioning. I got news for you. You might think that's a bad thing. There's a lot of times I look back, I wish my bodily form was not functioning. It did some things it shouldn't have done. I wish I would have been more in the spirit. Let's think about it that way. When I say the word trance, you go a little bit strange there. But how about being in the spirit and under under the sovereignty of the spirit of the living God? I'm telling you why most people are not baptized in the Holy Spirit because they don't want to lose control of their life. They don't want to surrender and submit and allow him to fill them and them to be covered with him. I'm telling you, we need a spiritual awakening. We need a revival. We need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit where we get absolutely consumed with and filled with the spirit of God. So he's praying. He goes in his trance, and he saw a vision, a vision from heaven. You know, the scripture teaches us, heaven starts to show him something, starts to reveal something. The scripture teaches us, without a vision, people perish. If you and I don't start getting visions and having a vision, there will be people who will perish because we will not have any prophetic revelation in our life of how to reach them, how to get the Gentiles, how to get those who are non-church people, those who don't have the same standards, convictions, or understanding of us. It is our responsibility. And because we don't have a vision, we don't evangelize. I would encourage you to ask. I've asked this numerous times. I said, Lord, I don't want a vision of heaven. I want a vision of hell. I think hell would prompt me a little bit more to get people to get saved than knowing understanding heaven. You follow what I'm saying? And we, listen, let me tell you something about heaven. You can read all the books you want, but if you haven't read all the Bible, stop reading the books and get back in the Bible. There's 66 in there, and if you haven't read them yet, you're missing it. You can go read about this one or that one. I'll show you in Scripture, nobody, nobody has been to heaven and back. Nobody. Nobody in the Bible. Heaven's not all about grandpa and grandma up there waiting for you to come up there. It's about heaven come down. It's about knowing Jesus Christ. I'm messing with some of y'all's business up here. I get it. But friends, listen to me. Let me ask you a question. If you've been to heaven, why are you not winning souls? If something, you need, you and I need a vision that comes from heaven. And heaven is saying, in this sheet, what I'm showing you right now, don't you call it common and unclean anymore. Don't you call it whoremongers and, and gays and, and thieves and Democrats, whatever you call them. I don't know what you call them. He said, don't you call it that anymore. He said, this is what I want to reach with the word of God. And if you keep griping about them, complaining about them, and arguing with them, and not preaching to them, don't expect a change. But retaliation. But when you and I start preaching the word of God to those that are outside of the will of God, outside of the plan of God, outside of the nature of God, outside of the goodness of God. Listen, don't tell me you are and you still believe in killing babies. 
was in the city of Joppa. I was praying. I went in a trance. Are you open to a prayer life like that? Where he would give you a vision. He said, an object descending like a great sheep, let down from heaven by four corners. He said, when I observed it intently and considered, how do you respond to an encounter in prayer? How do you respond to a vision from God? He said, he observed intently. Now listen, what you behold, you'll eventually become. God is going to reveal to you who you and I really should be. If what we're doing is not advancing the kingdom of God, what are we doing? I'll say it again. If what we're doing is not advancing the kingdom of God, what are we doing? What are we advancing? What are we giving the advantage to? Do you mind if I just preach truth to you for a moment? We're not just going to grow big and sit on our laurels. It's not the idea. The idea here is the church would advance the kingdom of God. He said, I observed it intently and considered. You know, Paul said one time in one of his scriptures, he said uh, to the, uh, some of the, I think it was in Philippians, I'm not sure where it was, but he literally said, he said, consider what I say and the Lord will give you understanding. Is there the possibility that some of the things that we don't understand in scripture, some things we don't understand about church is that we've never considered it? We just heard that somebody said, that's not right. That went out with the apostles. Uh, that's of the devil. That's maybe stop and take in some consideration. Matter of fact, if you considerate, can give consideration to tongues, okay, uh, it wasn't to bring confusion, it was to bring restoration to God, that we'd be his people, be able to hear him and have that relationship with him. Peter was not distracted during a spiritual visitation. Now remember, people are downstairs, he's up on a roof, if you know the story very well, he's up on a roof praying, and that's when he went into the trance there, and they're cooking breakfast, so it wasn't a heat stroke. They're cooking breakfast, and he can smell breakfast down there, and, and it probably smelled pretty bland and, and, and because the pig wasn't in there yet. No, you're going to love this story in just a minute. I literally thought about how somebody with some, some, some grilling bacon coming down this aisle and down that, and to wake you up and put you in a food trance. Because I don't care who you are, bacon smells good. You might not like it, but it smells good. And it ended up, the pig ended up in this sheep. But he was not distracted. I, I don't know about you, but if when I observed it intently, considering the sheep was coming to me, with, I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creepy things, and, and birds of the air. I, I'd start rebuking or running. That is not where I'd want to be, Right? but he had an intentional observation. Verse 7. He said, And I heard a voice saying to me. I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. I just want to simply say, God still speaks. I've been praying lately in my life, Lord, I desire to hear your voice. Lord, I desire to know your will. Lord, I desire that I could see your plans, like Moses saw them. The plans of the tabernacle were first in heaven before he ever built it on earth. And Lord, I desire to walk in your ways. That is my desire. What are we desiring? What really are we desiring? Are we desiring a short, comfortable, abbreviated sermon on a Sunday morning so we can have the rest of our day off? 
Whatever happened to the Lord's day? It's become the Lord's hour. Uh, we need to once again realize this could be the day of his visitation. He said, heard a voice saying, rise, Peter, kill, and eat. But I said, not so, Lord. He didn't just say, nah, I don't think so. He said, not so, Lord. There's an exclamation point. Uh, that's the way the Bible uh, emphasizes it. He, he said it with, with passion. He said it with conviction. Why? Because this is what he had known. This is before he, he's explaining to those guys. This is before he went to Cornelius' house. It's before he took the gospel. He said, no, no. What's happening here is that Peter, to a degree, is withstanding God. He is, he is opposing God. He's resisting what is being said. But, but not in a rebellious way. Could he possibly be in a test? Very well. Sometimes there's things that God tells you to do without for the long time until he's ready to do with. Now, you need to understand. You say, I just want to do it now. I want to do it now. But you don't wait. And you try to rush. You try to barrel through. And you make a mess out of things like Abraham did with Ishmael. And then we have an issue, Ishmael, that we have to deal with. And we try to mail them off, but we can't get rid of them. There's things that are going on in our life that we got ahead of God, thinking we knew better, thinking we knew more, or thinking we didn't have time to wait. We, just, we got anxious, the scripture says, be anxious for nothing, nothing but through prayer. I don't know about you, but I was a visitor to somebody's house, and they're down cooking breakfast. The last place I'm going to say is, I think I'm heading up to the roof. Well, where's your ladder at? How do I get on the roof? He wasn't anxious. Matter of fact, a lot of times the reason we don't have a prayer life is because of anxiousness. The reason we don't have trances or visions is because of anxiousness. But isn't it amazing when we do have the time we fall asleep? We need to be much more attentive and less distracted in our spiritual encounters. Listen to me, church. I'm not preaching for the preacher. I'm preaching for us. This is God's instruction to us. Is there possibly something in heaven? He's already shook the heavens and the earth. Is there something that he's not just loosing on earth, but maybe he's making room for that he wants to drop from heaven? Why would it go? Oh, come on now. Why would he shake heaven and earth and knock things off us on earth to make room so we can rebuild the same things we had? Or is there possibly something he wants to clothe us with from heaven? Is there the possibility God wants to bring you and me into dreams, visions, and prophetic revelation? I believe so. I really do. He said, and not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has at any time entered my mouth. Is that the possibility? He's saying, that's why I can use you, Pete. Because you have lived according to and abided within, and you have to this moment kept yourself. How about Mary? She had to be a virgin, didn't she? Don't you think that her, her and Joe over there are thinking, all the other girls and guys are doing it. Let's just sneak behind the, the manger over here. Don't you think that when they got to that manger, they're saying, man, I sure am happy we didn't sneak back there. Because we wouldn't have this right here. You're saying, well, I've already blown it. Well, I'm here to tell you he'll blow again. It's not over if you're here. He can start a brand new and fresh. That's where this message is going to. I'm getting a little bit ahead of it, but that's where it's going to. He said, I heard a voice 
He said, not so. Nothing has ever entered my mouth at any time. But the voice answered and said, are you sure? <laughs> no, he didn't say that. He didn't say that. How many times have you been in a situation and somebody asks you something, you give an answer, a big answer, a good answer, and they go, really? And you go, well, not really, but. <laughs> but the voice answered me again. The voice answered me again and, and, and from heaven. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. We need to hear his voice. We need to desire to hear it. We need to learn that the present could be a test for what's coming in the future. Verse 10. Now, this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. So this occurrence happened three times. Maybe Peter's a little hard-headed like, I know I can be. Maybe he's a little slow to respond in some things like I know that I can be. I mean, this is a lifelong, this is thousands of years of practice. I mean, this is a law that God himself set. God is getting ready to release the greatest display of the miraculous that has ever been released in this passage. Because I don't think there's anything more miraculous than God taking somebody who's lost and getting them saved. And that they get born again and they become a new creature. And old things are past and all things begin. I don't think there's anything more miraculous than that. So what does a miracle do? It defies the law of nature. The law of nature is set in order. God himself came and said, it's time to change it. We're under a new covenant and I'm going to shift it right now. Three. Why three? Did the father do it once? The son do it the next time? The Holy Spirit? Is there the possibility that he was conveying to them we're all in unity with this? There's nowhere you could go. Now that you're in New Testament, you've got the Holy Ghost, you've got Jesus, you've got the Father. It all lines up together. We're in agreement. And where there's agreement, there's power. This isn't just going to affect the future. It's going to affect the history. Everything is changing. Is it possible that he was speaking to his spirit, soul, and his body? Have you ever gotten something in your spirit, but your soul's not holding on to it? Is it a possibility you got something in your soul, but your body is, is acting another way and you're, and you're so frustrated that you're doing what you don't want to do and you don't do what you want to do, but your spirit and your soul are saying, we could have done this, but your flesh gave in? Could that be the three times? Could it just be the precision that three men were getting ready to ring the doorbell? Could it just be the whole concept of the fullness of God? That he stepped into an age of fulfillment? I honestly believe that God is doing everything that he can to bring the church, to bring my life, your life, and the church life, and the community into fulfillment. I truly believe that. I wanted you to realize that because I may not touch on what you're facing. I may not be able to comprehend or, or to peer into that de decision there that you have to make or that experience, that challenge you're up against. But I'm here to tell you, I believe that God has a plan to bring you and me, us, the church, into fulfillment. At that very moment, in that moment, three men said, I just wonder if he would have shook that sheet off. I just wonder if he would have stayed there and kept arguing with God if he might not have missed that moment. He said at that very moment, three men stood before the house where I was, having been sent to me from Caesarea. So in sync, God is. So precise. 
I want to remind you, Peter is still testifying. Anything he's describing, and the Holy Spirit says, let's, let's, let's go over this again, means he can do it again. God can send the right people into your life at the right time. God can align you and divinely appoint you. God can awaken you. God can reveal himself to you. In verse 12, then the Spirit told me to go with them. Then the Spirit told me to go with them. Notice a voice spoke to him. He said, not so, Lord. Happens three times, but now the Spirit is speaking to him. He's able to discern the voice of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he realized the Spirit is the one who leads. And so the Spirit says to me, he says, go with them, doubting nothing. Go with them. I just want to stop here for just a moment. I don't want to meddle. I want to pedal a little bit. But I want you to know something. I believe that every one of us in here are doubting something. And if we're doubting something, we're doubting someone. I do not look on the linear level there and do not look at this person and how bad they are and how ugly they are and how hard they are and how, how intellectual they are. Don't, don't look on this plane. Look this way. When you're doubting what can happen in somebody's life, you are doubting the one and the only one who can do it. No, no, he wants you and I to walk out of here not doubting. I know that I'm not an angel from Caesarea. I'm not coming out of Cornelius' house, but I'm a messenger from God. I have been sent from heaven. He's called me to this city, and I'm here to say to you with a strong affirmation, you can walk away without doubting. You can walk in faith. You can believe God for all things and in all things because with God, all things are possible. I, I want to come down there, and I want to drive it into you. I want to take a 20-ounce hammer, east wing hammer, and tap you on the head and wake up that noggin to realize that you don't have to doubt anymore. Either he is or he isn't. And you're either living in the is or is not of God. He gave you faith. You may say, but with me it's impossible. But I would say it to you, but with God, all things are possible. When you tell me I can't do this and I can't do that, you're telling me that he can't. Because the Bible tells us as believers, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. What you're telling me is you're not doing it with him. What you're telling me is, is that you're being rebellious. What you're telling me is that you're being resistant. What you're telling me is you're withstanding God. You're opposing God. He is telling you today, like he told Peter, go and doubt no more. Listen, to understand, we wear old doubting Thomas out left and right, but they all fled. They all denied him, not just Tommy boy, okay? But you need to realize here also uh, that obviously, obviously the Spirit is leading him into something that would give much reason from that rooftop to that doorway, much reason to doubt. We're getting ready to do something that's never been done before is what he's saying. You're getting ready to do something they won't agree with when you get back to Jerusalem. Word will get back about this. And they won't be happy. And they will withstand what you did. We also can draw from here the conclusion that even though he didn't eat what he wasn't supposed to eat, and he was a good boy in the rules and the regulations, he obviously doubted somewhere before. And we know that. He denied him. 
You can't deny Jesus without doubting something about him. Wouldn't that be nice to go without doubting? Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. Now, I know one person who accompanied I don't know the three from Caesarea, but I know one of the people that he's the guy who wrote the story. Luke had to have been there if he wrote the story. He wrote it as if we, they and them, us and we. And so he's one of them. People were going with him. Listen, there are seven men walking down the street. Four of them are Jewish converts. Three of them are Gentiles. It's a strange occurrence. This is not normal. This is not, uh, this is not uh, the, the normality of their culture. It would be like black people and white people, Hispanic people and Asian people. It would be like the church is supposed to look today. I don't know if you're starting to see it, but it's starting to change because there's one race, it's the human race, and God is trying to unify us. And what he did in this passage is he broke the sense of, of jealousy and of prejudice. He broke that off of them. Racism was broken. He said, I'm putting you guys together, but if you don't get together now, you won't be able to do what you need to do there. No, you need to understand. When these people picked up, when Jesus went to the wedding, and they picked up, and they took the water firkins there that had some dirty water from washing their hands, and, and they filled them with water, they carried them to the governor of the feast, not knowing if they're going to have a job. It was their present-day COVID, if you would. They're walking over thinking, I'm going to give this guy a jug of water, and he wants wine. It says, nobody knew what was happening but the servants who were carrying it. You need to understand What's happening on this road from Joppa to Caesarea is that they're carrying the miracle, Pastor Joel. They are carrying what Jesus is getting ready to do. And until you and I start walking in relationship with those that we don't think are like us and we're not like them, until we start building our relationship just merely upon our faith. And walking out, we will not carry the, the mantle and the anointing of restoration, of restitution, of reconciliation, of healing of a city or cities. They're carrying a miracle. Listen, why did God not just say, yo, Pete, what's up, Lord? Petey boy, yeah, man, I'm your man, what you got? Go over to the city. There's a bunch of people out there praying and seeking me. They're different, but just kind of go in the back door. Go in there. Just blow on them, Pete. No, this, this miracle is much bigger than that. It took seven people to carry it. Three just to get the man. He comes down. He says, six men accompany me. There's seven of them. They don't know what they're carrying, but they're carrying the mantle of the glory of God. They're carrying the power of God. They're carrying the cloud of outpouring of the Spirit of God. I'll tell you what, when you and I start learning to walk together, you start joining up together for the sole purpose, for a visitation of God, for the outpouring of God. When we start to all worship together and pray together for an outpouring of the Spirit of God, God says, now they're ready. Because where there's unity, there will be a commanded blessing, and the Spirit of God will pour out. When you and I come an agreement and not try to be the best one, the worst one, the right one, the wrong one, and we just start saying, whatever it is that you have, we're going and we want to carry that and for you to do what you want to do. Not until then will dreams and visions be fulfilled. Listen, we don't need more dreams and visions as much as we need fulfillment. Anybody with me? It says here, and we entered, we entered the man's house. 
I'm excited. I, I, I branch out tonight, today, sometime. And we travel due north. I have taught in YWAM bases for 16, 17 years. Youth with a mission. I'll go and teach at these bases in Montana, two in Colorado, one in Mexico. We've built homes down there. I'll go in and I'll sit down for one week and preach 15 hours on the Holy Spirit or 15 hours on the Father, Heart of God or whatever it may be with students from all around the world. They come from everywhere. One time there was over 25 nations represented in one room of 55 people. I would go sometimes with a family member, sometimes alone. And the Lord spoke to me recently, right before COVID. He said, he said Greg, I'm, I'm changing your ministry here, sphere. Uh, it's going to be more regional. Nashville, Chattanooga, uh, Birmingham, uh, uh, Florence, around there, and there's Scottsboro right there. Your reach is changing. You know, COVID helped that. Kind of shut down a lot of travel. I don't go very far anymore. Matter of fact, in the last month, I've been in Chattanooga. I've been in Nashville. I've been in Leoma, Tennessee, in Decatur. I've been in Birmingham. I've been uh, all in that region there. And I had to die to something. I had to die to something because I got some invitations. Matter of fact, I prophesied a school in, in YWAM, and it's called the School of the Fellowship of the Burning Hearts. If you remember, the Lord spoke that to us two or three years ago, that he invited us into the Fellowship of the Burning Hearts. If you've been around here long enough, it was pre-COVID, and, and, and online, a Zoom call, they had me speak and teach, and I declared that what God was speaking to my heart, and they built a school. And so out of honor, they, 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 they called me up and said, would you come speak in this school? Man, you're the guy that spoke this into existence. I said, I'll come. Yes, by all means. As I got closer and closer, I had to call him and said, I can't come. There's no grace of God on this. I can't come. I have to say, no, I'm really sorry. They called me back again. I said, yes, I'll come. I'll come. It got closer. I said, I, I can't come. I'm sorry. Breaking my heart. I could not tell you, maybe 80 YWAM schools teaching young people about prophetic evangelism, about uh, evangelism, about the heart of God. I, I just, I love that. Love, eat and breathe it. Then they called me again and said, and they said, you can't come, can you? I'm like, no, man, it's Thanksgiving. I can't come. It's my family time. And I said, Lord, I, I, I give up. I die to YWAM. I lay it down. hurts, but I can't rebuild what was. I don't know, Gretchen, in two, three weeks, I don't know when it was, and that full death came. Get a text. Hey, I don't know if you remember me or not, but 13, 14 years ago, you were preaching at this college campus in Pulaski, Tennessee, and, and my friend got baptized with the Holy Spirit, and he's in the ministry, and I was there too, and I got called in the ministry, and I'm the director of the YWAM in Nashville. I just felt like God put you on my heart. Would you come teach a YWAM base in Nashville? I said, what? I didn't. Even, I, I still don't know who he, who he really is until I see him tomorrow night or tonight. I guess it's tonight. Oh, it's tonight we leave. I got to go pack, so we need to hurry up. <laughs> you know what the Lord said to me? Now, why am I sharing this with you? Because like he spoke to Peter, he speaks to us. I told you, Brenda, just, just last night, two nights ago, I told you. I said, God said, Greg, I saved that. Because everybody said, why don't you teach at the one in Nashville? You got all these connections in Nashville. Why don't you? I don't know anybody there. Didn't think I did. 
He said, Greg, I saved that one until now to show you what I'm getting ready to do in this region. He's this real still today. And this is not packaged in a deal that only a few of us get this. It's just for you. It's for you. Let me wrap this up. Pastor Joe, if you'd help me, please. So they entered into the man's house. They don't know this guy. Three people came to get him. He's come straight out of it. He, he's, he's fasting. No one in the Bible that tells that he went down and ate breakfast before he left. I fast every night because I break fast every morning. <laughs> I just made some of y'all, I gave you a really nice spiritual ticket. Yeah, I think I'll start fasting. Snore your way through it. Sometimes you have to step into places you've never been to see things you've never seen. Verse 13, and he told us how he had seen an angel staying in his house. I said that last night, family devotion. David's head pops up in this big old smile. Like, That'd be cool. Now read it. It's a testimony. He said, I'll do it again. We have it written on one of the poles in here. Angelic assistance. Have you ever asked God, could I have an angelic encounter? Maybe ask him, Lord, are there any angels here to help me? Where are the angels here? Listen, God has a host of angels, innumerable, innumerable amount of angels waiting to be discharged to release and to come and help you. He said, I saw an angel standing in his house who said to him, send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter. They still remember him. Could you imagine that guy or that angel that had an assignment to this, uh, assignment to this guy named Simon before Jesus turned him into Peter? I mean, that guy was working overtime. I guarantee you. And then he realized, oh, we're going to another level. And that angel's probably over going, Simon, Simon, Simon. Oh, Simon, don't say that. Simon, get your foot on your mouth, Simon. Oh, Simon, don't, don't, Simon, don't do that. And all of a sudden he's like, oh, this is going to be a long time. Even though I live in eternity, this is going to be a long time with this young buck right here. And all of a sudden he meets Jesus. He's like, I, I'm an angel to an apostle. I'm going to be with her signs and wonders and miracles all the time. I'm going to walk into church one morning as just going as my custom is and look down and see a man lame from his birth. And I'm going to reach over with Simon and say, hey, give me your hand. I'm going to watch this man leaping and shouting and praising God. Everything shift in that angel's life, man. Everything shift. I think you and I ought to have a revival so our angels could stop being bored. Do you know, according to the Word of God, there's an angel assigned to your life? He will tell you words which you and all your household will be saved. This is what, what Cornelius is saying that, that he's telling Peter. He said, man, this angel said, you're going to tell me something that I'm not just going to get saved, but my whole household. Friends, I ought to take it to another level. He said, and as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, as upon us at the beginning. Uh, he said, as I started to speak in this house, as I started to preach Jesus, 
as I started to preach salvation, I think that we need to preach a little bit more salvation because it seems like the Holy Spirit seems to run to that. He said, as I'm preaching and while I'm preaching, all of a sudden the heavens open and the Spirit of God comes upon them. Listen, he said, just like it did to us in the beginning. In other words, when he's saying, hey, boys, he did it again. Like he did for us, I'm testifying. He did it again. Just like we had that upper room experience, they had that Cornelius house experience. Just like the Spirit of God came from heaven and fell upon us, it fell upon them. Hey, listen, guys, they had cloven tongues of fire. They were prophesied. They were revived. They were renewed. Energy came in the room. The power of God was there. The glory of God appeared. And I'm telling you, people started to get saved. In the upper room, when the Spirit of God came, don't stop right there. Don't stop right there. It said people started to get saved. I'm telling you, the kind of revival you want to be a part of is not where just the church has a little drunk in the Holy Ghost. You want a revival where people start getting saved. You don't want a revival that's going to make you fatter and sassier. You want a revival that's going to reach the drug addict? It's going to reach the heathen? Hey, listen to me. Because of this revival, somebody's not going to commit a murder. Because of this revival, somebody's not going to get addicted to drugs. Because of this revival, people are going to get born again. Households are going to be redeemed, and they're going to be restored, and they're going to be blessed by God. That's where we're going. 